Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Hello, and welcome here to the Hello First Name podcast slash webinar. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to this or even watching this if you are uh, watching the uh, the video. Um, today we're going to talk about the definition of personalization. And uh, to help me uh, with that, uh, I have uh, here in the studio uh, Tequila Harley Nobile. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us, Tequila. Hello, and thank you for um, the invite. Um, perhaps... Uh, yeah, instead of me introducing you, I think it'd be better perhaps if you introduce yourself and uh, also a few words on the the PhD uh, that you've done on the topic of personalization. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I'm a researcher and a lecturer in uh, digital communication, digital marketing. I'm currently working as a lecturer in um, fashion business and a luxury business at Sotheby's Institute of Art in London. Uh, I've recently started, so only a couple of weeks uh, previous uh, to that, I was a research and PhD student in Switzerland at uh, Università della Svizzera Italiana, where I conducted my PhD. And the topic of my PhD was on personalization in digital fashion communication. So that's where the interest in personalization for me started. My PhD was a process of trying to understand what personalization is. So again, from the definition, which we'll probably later discuss, up to understanding what is the value of a personalization for the fashion industry. So should companies utilize it as a strategy, what kind of strategy it is, and to what point can it be useful, both from a consumer perspective and from an industry perspective. And you handed in your thesis, I believe, the fall of uh, 2022, as I recall. Yes, correct. Yes, exactly. And I defended the PhD December. So just before Christmas, yeah. 2022. Yeah. So a nice Christmas present for yourself, I guess. Exactly. It must be a long-awaited uh, uh, Christmas holiday there. Yes, that no, was amazing. But the process of research and personalization was uh, extremely interesting. Also because there was uh, an interest from the industry to communicate yeah. with me uh, during the research, collecting data. So it was a very hot topic. Uh, in the moment and currently still is, um, so it was a good process. Uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps only overshadowed by generative AI uh, at the moment. But I think I, I discussed that also with um, with my fellow author um, David Mannheim, and it actually fits together because obviously generative AI can be a huge contributor to um, 
to uh, add to personalization as well. So you have to put on here the, the don't disturb and we'll edit that out. <laughs> All right, great. So um, can you tell us a bit about the, um, uh, the thesis that you did and the study? A bit more in detail, what was, what was it about? Where did you start and what were the, the main issues that you encountered? Yes. So I started from uh, the literature review. So really by reading, trying to understand what was already published on the topic of personalization. And uh, indeed, uh, there was a vast, extremely vast uh, uh, pool of studies that I could uh, delve into and uh, research. And from there, what I was able to identify was mainly issues. So indeed, uh, there was a lot of conversation around the topic. However, I could not find uh, general agreements uh, uh, around the topic. So indeed, starting firstly from what is personalization. I started then uh, trying to speak with the industry experts to see what their viewpoint was on personalization. So was this a disagreement uh, just from an academic perspective or also within the industry? But I found that everyone was given their own definition. So we started a first uh, secondary research in order to put together all the elements that, that form personalization. So starting from what context is personalization delivered to, what kind of information is necessary, who are we delivering the personalization to, and what tools do we need to do this? Starting from this general base, I was then able uh, to work on a definition. So to do this, uh, I developed a Delphi study with what at the time was my supervisor, Professor Lorenzo Cantoni, and we sent out a survey, an online survey, with the different questions, asking them what is personalization according to you, your expertise and your experience. From this, we were able to gain a definition. 100% agreement was reached with obviously some different elements that did not reach the agreement. Mainly was around the terminology that we utilize when referring to personalization. So for example, customization. Mm. Are they synonyms? Are they the same thing? Are they different? To what extent are they different? So it was an interesting process because we did reach a definition, but with many different experts to it that then can be applied uh, depending, for example, on the sect in which we utilize it. So I was mainly focusing on the fashion sector. So in this case, uh, the terminology of customization referring to being able to modify tangible product, whether it can be shoes, accessories, uh, garments uh, was extremely important to them because the contribution of the individual in deciding what color can my shoes be can i change the sole can i put my initials on them was for them really important so for this reason in developing the definition we kept in consideration all these uh, different elements and I think if I had to start defining personalization the main words that I would use are dynamic process so in the environment that we're currently are and living uh, with such a great influence from technology and how personalization is uh, 
developed and provided to the end consumer the process idea. So something that keeps evolving and changing in the way it is delivered to the end consumer is important. So really inspiring for me also as a, as an author to have these conversations with you. So I think when I when I first stumbled upon your uh, your studies and some of the papers that you wrote, I was, I think to begin with, I was delighted that someone shared the same frustration that that I felt with the ambiguity and the uh, sort of the the implicit uh, agreeing on what personalization is and isn't, uh, where I know everybody seemed to agree. And they were fine with the definition being super plastic and very generic and meaning all kinds of things at the same time. And obviously that led to confusion and uh, and uh, misunderstandings. And so I was glad to see that it wasn't only me who couldn't find uh, heads and tails uh, of, this, uh, of this huge topic. And um, what I found uh, and also, which is why I believe there is... I mean, one of the reasons uh, that I found for there being so much confusion on the topic is that you'd have quite different marketers uh, using the same term personalization, but working with fairly uh, fairly different things, really. So whether you're working with product recommendations, as you could be within fashion, uh, you could be personalizing the product recommendations, obviously. But you could also be personalizing a welcome flow uh, or uh, an advert uh, for that matter. So there are quite many uh, ways of looking at personalization. So let's, so let's start out uh, discussing some of the um, some of the, uh, the the topics also that uh, that I decided to to touch upon after having uh, read the stuff that that you wrote uh, to to get us closer to uh, to the definition of personalization. There's definitely a good definition. I'm actually, I actually quoted uh, your definition uh, of personalization in, in my book. Uh, I found it a bit too wide, uh, actually, but I, th- I think a, defini- a definition of personalization kind of has to be wide because it needs to cover all these different ways of working with personalization, at least if you don't want to end up telling people that they're working with the wrong kind of personalization and it isn't kosher or it's the wrong way or they got it wrong or whatever. And I find that to be extremely hard if that's what they're getting their paycheck for and if it's uh, on the invoices that they that they send out. So I think you and I both and uh, decided to, to not go that route where we point fingers at people and saying that they're doing personalization wrong, uh, which is uh, where we really agree. But coming back to personalization versus customization, can you... Can you say a bit about the the distinction between the two, if there is a distinction and if there is a difference? I know for some there are. Yeah, so for those that in our survey say, for me, there is a difference, is the way it's conceptualized from a consumer perspective. So personalization is delivered from the company or the brand to the consumer. And it's the company that, tries to collect as much data as possible in order to deliver a product or a service that is just for them. Whether that is a newsletter including the name, recommendation of products based on previous searches and so on. The difference with customization is that there's a direct involvement of the consumer up to uh, a contributions in terms of co-designing something. 
Mm. So, for example, if I go onto a website and me as a consumer, I'm deciding which elements I want to personalize for that specific product. So, is it the color? Is it my initials on it? Is it the way it is presented? So, really, the core designer is the main element. And again, this could be also because as a limitation to a certain extent of the study is that it is mainly for uh, the fashion industry. Mm. So again, where these elements of the tangible products and the intangible products is extremely important, uh, which might not be as relevant for other industries. So uh, actually my son, he customized a pair of uh, sneakers for me. It's a birthday gift. I'm extremely happy with those. But so, so if I get this right, it would be if the so say that Nike had decided based on data uh, on me to suggest me a personalized pair of sneakers, that would be personalization because they're in the uh, sending end of the communication, so to speak. Whereas when my son is, he's the customer uh, and when he's the one sort of making the choices and choosing the designs, that would be customization. So there's this correlation between customization and the word customer that I believe makes makes really good sense. Yes. Uh, I actually decided to, to, to weed that out in the uh, in the definition that I chose to work with in the uh, in the book saying that customization that is a customer led process and if we want to make things uh, uh, less ambi- uh, if we want to kill the ambiguity then we should decide to to leave customization for something that the customer initiates. What would you say so say that I go in as a customer and I uh, I go into a category uh, product category page and I select certain filters, uh, which will then ultimately display me a selection of the products that could be in a, this high category. Would you regard that as customization as well? Yes, because uh, I'm as the customer deciding what I want to see, for example, uh, on that page, and I'm not receiving a recommendation directly from them. But I think Obviously, terminology is extremely important, and that's why we're working a lot on the definition. But when we consider personalization as an umbrella term, it's because mm. it's then the ability to put all these elements together. So the most important thing, I think, at the end is that the consumer receives what they want. So whether we can define it as a customization, I'm selecting the filters, it's then maybe the ability of the company from their side uh, to collect this data and then the next time, for example, provide recommendations based uh, on the filters or what was selected. So what I was trying to say at the beginning, this dynamic process uh, really is this idea of trying to connect all the dots from the various perspectives, whether it's the user that starts it or whether it's the company that infers uh, information. So, so seeing so this as a second. You could have the customization process to start with, and that will inevitably lead to a lot of uh, data collection, which could then turn into personalization. So the company, the brand would get to know me as a customer through my customization of the products that I want or the selections that I make. And thus that would enable them to actually personalize for me uh, later. Yes, exactly. We collected quite a lot of data uh, regarding newsletters. So we decided to focus on that channel because we saw there was some interest from um, outside. So that's the channel that we decided to focus on to start with. Uh, And about 1,000 newsletters we 
subscribe to. So we inserted uh, names, surnames, email address. Yes, the inbox was just just for that, basically, just for that study. <laughs> and uh, in some cases, you had the opportunity to select maybe preferences, whether you're interested in women's, men's, kids, and so on. Mm-hmm. And interesting, some of these brands that were actually collecting this data, when we were receiving the confirmation email that we subscribed, uh, were not including any of those elements. So, for example... If they're collecting and I'm providing them with my name and I'm I'm agreeing to this, then it was interesting to see that in the welcome, it was just a general dear, for example, without maybe dear tequila, which is what I expected to, to see. So I thought this was an interesting insight. So how much data are we collecting and how much is actually being utilized? I think that's part of the uh, disappointment uh, that consumers expect. Because we've, as consumers, I believe that, that that's my belief that we've we've seen what can be done with personalization from the likes of uh, Amazon and Netflix and uh, whatnot, and and so we come to expect it. Uh, and if we if we believe that there that brands that we like, they're missing an opportunity to actually become more personal with us. If they're missing out on that, we feel slightly disappointed. Uh, or it could be the other way uh, where we actually say that we're receiving something that's completely random but because we are who we are and this fits extremely well with our preferences although it's uh, it's random we perceive it as personalization so you you difference you differ between or you just uh, have this uh, distinction between actual versus perceived personalization maybe tell us a, a few words about that yes the reason that let's say this topic and discussion came out is because we started thinking we're all different so every consumer has their needs their preferences the way that they like to shop what they like to see so how can we come to a definition of personalization when everyone is so individual so for this reason, we create a distinction between the actual personalization, so what is actually delivered from the company to the end user. So for them, that's what personalization is, mm. up to what is the user's perception on what has been, in this case, received. So, for example, if we go back to the newsletter's name, if I put Dear Tequila, when I open the newsletter... For me, tequila it might be an element of personalization. So I might say, oh, that's very nice. They know who I am and they know my name. Mm. So I might think they're kind of personalizing the communication to me. Somewhere, some maybe another person, for whatever reason, open the newsletter, see a dear and their name, and they might not actually think that is personalization. It could be because they receive lots of newsletters, uh, maybe they're very accustomed to seeing it, so they just think it's something that is being done automatically from a machine, and it's not actually... Yeah. So what we did is uh, focus groups uh, with the consumers, uh, and uh, we tried to reach an understanding of personalization, but in this case... uh, from a consumer perspective. So what is personalization for the consumer? So indeed, uh, the definition was more from an expert perspective, but then from the end users, we were still missing it. And indeed here, other elements emerge. So 
not all the elements that inserted can be perceived uh, in the same way. Mm. And this is one, I think, of the main challenges of personalization because it is uh, so individual. And mm. uh, something that might be considered as personalization by someone could also have negative effects for someone else because for them, receiving that kind of recommendation can be really annoying. <laughs> There's a whole notion of, of creepiness. So, so I took or tried at least in the book to, uh, to take this distinction between uh, actual versus perceived communication or uh, personalization. And uh, first of all, I think it also, I see examples of, as I mentioned before, where people perceive something as personalized, even though it may not be at all. Mm -hmm. So retailer sends out a completely random uh, uh, advert and some find it extremely spot on for their needs and thus they believe it to be an act of personalization. I think it goes both ways, both that you get some kind of personalization, but you realize that it isn't really personalized because it's just first name and we see that quite too often. So hello, first name, hence the title of the book. But I really took this into a... I elaborated on this and I, I made the distinction between implicit and explicit personalization. Uh, so coming back to the, uh, the definition, I think it's pretty clear that we both define personalization as an umbrella term that, that actually covers quite a few tactics uh, where the brand is just treating individuals differently uh, and, and not the same. And um, I, I came up with this notion of implicit versus uh, explicit personalization that you can, as a brand, um, give people different treatments without them necessarily noticing it. So that could be either by choosing to not send them something that you'd otherwise send. So basically you're pre-excluding people. So that's the most uh, invisible uh, form of implicit personalization. You're getting another treatment, but you you don't notice because you, you, you'll be excluded from certain newsletters or communication or things will not be visible in, in your version of the newsletter. Versus the, uh, the explicit personalization where we are uh, as a brand, very clear on why we're telling you what you are, we're telling you, and and thus make it uh, completely transparent that we're showing you this because of this. Uh, so we're we're telling you something that's personalized, and we tell you why we tell you what you what we tell you, which is what I would call explicit personalization. I don't. Did, did you come across some of those discussion discussions in your research as well? Yes, in the literature, it's widely widely discussed and. Implicit personalization is highly connected to privacy issues when it's discussed mm. and presented because maybe in explicit personalization, somehow it can be clearer why I'm receiving it. So I'm receiving this recommendation because you've previously clicked on this product or because you've previously searched for this page. So it can be easier to understand from a user mm. perspective, a consumer. In implicit personalization, to what extent are we aware that personalization is taking place? So indeed, there's a whole privacy issues that they're, they're massive when talk about personalization, we can't avoid thinking about them. And it's also an issue of awareness. So at this point, uh, a lot of people are talking about personalization. The awareness indeed is, is increasing. However, what knowledge do we actually have? So what's happening in the background? And also some other risks. So for example, 
what is my choice? So, am I selecting from a predefinite selected number of products by someone else? And I just see maybe these pages, these products, mm. these services because they've been somehow filtered beforehand. Mm. But obviously, I'm not aware that this is. Exactly. And I think this comes down to, so, so I came across a lot of people. So I did this huge research process where I had like, uh, yeah, I interviewed countless, uh, countless people for this. And then I had people into, from, from different ways of, people who were working within different disciplines of marketing. And we were discussing the term. And some of them were of the uh, belief that for personalization to be real, it had to be visible for the um, for the individual. It had to be uh, explicit. So that, and I say, think exactly this: what you're what you're saying here. That say that you are going onto a website, you are browsing, uh, maybe adding a few products to the basket. You're not locked in or anything. And then when you go to a product category page, the the sorting or the ranking of the products would be different for you than for everybody else. And I believe that's uh, that's the work of personalization engines. So that's the that's literally the, the category tag on these software products and telling them that they are not working with personalization even though it isn't explicit for the end customer or it's at least fairly hidden or obscure. I think that's a that, that's a bit of a dangerous uh, path to to tread. Uh, we talk a bit about um, and this leads me into to the, the talk about targeting. So, if within advertising, I don't know if you were talk, you were covering uh, advertising uh, in in your studies. Uh, the the notion of targeting, saying that we were put, we're running this ad, and we're deciding to only show it to people who fill these criteria. Uh, that's normally referred to targeting. Would you characterize that as a as a, a an act of personalization as well? I wouldn't, uh, because so. Two reasons. One, coming from a communication perspective, so my studies, uh, we don't really like to utilize uh, the term targeting because it gives that one-way relationship. Yeah. Instead, we always think of a two-way communication between who's delivering the message, who's receiving the message, and then again, uh, this process, so a cycle of information there. That's carrying on between the two rather than just trying to target someone and send that specific information there. Again, uh, it could be down to terminology and how uh, this is there. Yes, exactly. Um, the thing is that personalization, so there's something that's actually being changed uh, to provide value. So, obviously, value to the consumer and ideally in return value to is actually providing their personalization because it's a big investment to, yeah. to personalize that. So does it actually provide value? So if it's yes, then it's personalization. If it's no, it's just a tactic that can, you know, can be tested and tried, but maybe it's not the right one in that specific occasion or for that user, for example. I would think advertisers would be doing this for the sake of creating value. So I mean, what, why else would they would, would they bother? Uh, so so the whole selection of deciding whom to show the ad for would be strongly correlated with whom you'd expect to find this more uh, relevant than just the the average uh, consumer out there. Yeah. Uh, how about so a lot of the. Um, I meet this quite often. I'm sure you came across this as well. So often I would 
hear people say, oh, that's not personalization. We're not working with personalization. We're just working with segmentation. And is, is that, uh, so I, conf I consider it uh, within the umbrella term of personalization. So it's just maybe a weak form of personalization. You can, of course, take it to the extent where you have a segment of one and then maybe there's not so much different anymore. But how do you distinguish between the two? I think if there's a segment as one, as you said, then that is personalization because if I'm delivering something specific to that individual person, user, consumer, and that is my individual, why would that not be personalization if it's a segment of one? So indeed, definitions and how we refer terminology, if I have maybe a segment of 50 people, I'm just saying a random number, I could say this maybe is not personalization because now with the tools, the technologies that we have, for sure, much more could be done. But then if I'm reaching a segment of one, mm. I would probably refer to it as personalization. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan, that's actually why I, 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 I came to the conclusion that, well, if, if a segment of one is personalization, then a segment of two is also personalization. And if I'm sending someone an email with the uh, uh, women's clothes, uh, and I'm that would be because I know that they're interested in women's clothes, that would be, again, some sort of, it's a segmentation clearly, but it's also an act of personalization because they're getting a treatment that someone else isn't getting, uh, whereas I would probably be getting the, the men's clothes. Uh, and whether or not I decide to put in people's first name is, I mean, it's, it's personalization regardless. It's just, it's not an either or, it's more like a, a range, how personalized is it? Where I would say that most segmentations aren't really personalized, but the more you do it, the more you do the, um, the, uh, the explicit personalization, the, the more data you use and the, the, the more individual the, uh, the communication becomes, then higher degree of personalization it is especially the explicit part when it comes from the consumer point of view. So am I experiencing the personalization? Then it, it's most likely explicit or I mean, it may go totally unnoticed and just be a very pleasant uh, interaction. Maybe without friction, I'll just sort of magically find that everything is super relevant for me. But I wouldn't necessarily know that I am being uh, personalized uh, heavily too. Yes, in the definition, we have that the object is changing dimensions at a number of states. So again, if we want to take the same example of the newsletters, I can have many dimensions and many elements in that newsletter that I can potentially personalize or not. So it could also be to what extent should, in this case, the newsletter be personalized? Is there a right number of elements or not. So I haven't actually touched this research yet, but I think in the future I would like to study this. So what is the balance? How many elements should be changed and in this case personalized? Or maybe we don't have a correct number of elements because for the end consumer again, going back to the idea of perception, it's different. So we can't reach a specific. But I think when trying to understand with segmentation the idea of something that's changing dimensions at a number of states can be useful to understand what am I actually modifying and what am I actually sending through. We discussed also in the uh, in the expert panels that I put together, we discussed the, um, uh, the notion of timing. I mean, uh, so that 
say that the uh, the content or the the message was uh, static, but the uh, the timing of which you as a retailer, for instance, decided to send this particular message to me, because that was on a very individual basis, then that would still be regarded. And there was people seem to agree on this, even though the message was basically the same. Get back to the basket because you seem to have forgotten some products there, uh, because the the uh, the timing was uh, individualized. We would count that that as an act of personalization as well, even though the message was basically the same. Yes, yeah, the customer journey. So we did another study uh, with a fashion company in email marketing, and we tried to divide their customers in different customer journey segments. Mm. So from the search on the website, they were searching for a product and then abandoned the website up to a search and I stay on the product for a certain amount of seconds. So ideally, I'm interested in that product up to I've searched for the product, I've stayed on it, I've put it in the basket, but then I've left the basket and I haven't purchased. Mm. So we then sent newsletters to these three different segments to see timing in this case considered as one of the customer journey phase, what was yeah. the response to it? And indeed, it changed a lot. So if we take the basket abandonment, the time at which the message was received was important. So yeah. just from a very simple timing, if I've just searched, put it in the basket left, and I receive the reminder that I've left the element in the basket after an hour, it might be too soon. Okay, maybe yeah. I was at work and I've put it there. Yeah. I don't want to be reminded so soon. Maybe yeah. 24 hours. Again, here many studies could be done and some already uh, working on this on when should the message be received. So what is I the correct time? I think if you're, if you're ordering fast food online, maybe 10 minutes or one minute could be the right uh, timing. Whereas if you're considering a really expensive uh, a fancy party address, then yeah, maybe tomorrow uh, will be a better time. Or it, yeah, yes, and I think yeah. also that's why personalization is such an interesting topic because there are so many elements to it. So it's hard in a way to reach the perfect personalization because so many things have to be done when even just a simple message is is sent out and. What am I considering when I'm personalizing? Is it the content? Is it when I'm sending it? We can also think of how is the person feeling in that moment? Maybe I like receiving recommendations. I've searched for black trousers and I like receiving mm. products. But on that day, I'm just not feeling it. And I just don't like recommendations. So again, how is it possible to understand the consumer's feeling in the moment that the message is received? So so many elements that make personalization interesting. I'm under the belief that you can't you, you can't <laughs> understand what's going on in the customer. And I mean, the customer journey basically belongs to the customer. And whatever's going on in their lives, we only have fractions of info that can tell us stuff about that. But we never really know. There can be so many reasons for uh, abandoning uh, the basket. Yeah. Uh, the, the dog barked or the child cried or I didn't want it anyway or I have another tab open where I choose to buy it instead so on and so on. So uh, so I think, yeah, that, that's my uh, my belief at least that um, at, at least for of course some customers you'll know better because they've been shopping with you uh, many times and maybe they have a subscription and you 
you're taking in all kinds of uh, data sources uh, into account when you are deciding what the uh, the, the next best uh, experience is for, for each uh, end customer. But basically, you don't know. It's it's guessing. It's about being less wrong, uh, as, as I as I see it. All yes. right. So, um, the what do you think about the the term uh, hyper personalization? Uh, is it the same as individualization, or uh, and is it uh, within? Uh, can we can we get there soon? Or Again, definition. Would I develop or try developing a new definition from personalization, hyper-personalization? just seems to be coming up so. on vendor websites all the time. Yes, yeah. So could hyper-personalization mean I can reach that specific individual in so many ways uh, compared to I just have an idea of the profile, who he is and what he likes in hyper-personalization? I have a lot of data so I can build really a customer profile specific to him and mm. I can collect lots of data. And I think, again, it goes back to the beginning, this dynamic process. How do I reach hyper-personalization? Maybe one of the potential ways is collect the data and also utilizing it when I'm delivering it. Obviously, said this is, seems extremely simple. Putting it in mm. practice is something completely different. So I don't want to just make the the topic so simple, but again, I th- rather than focusing so much on, you know, the terminology, even though it is important, I think when we talk about hyper-personalization, and as I was saying, because now of all the different digital technological advances that we can see, the potential is just another level. So what could be done before, now we could do much more, I think. And for this reason, we talk about hyper-personalization. But at the end goal, I would see it as the same. uh, I'm looking at some of the stuff that you can do with uh, generative AI. And I'm I'm sort of seeing a... So near future, as I see it, I believe that you could start crafting the messages. I mean, the product recommendations, we've been able to stitch those together using AI for a long time. But the messages, so where we put in the, the creativity and where we do the copywriting and where we uh, draw the images and the videos and, and, and whatnot too, like the, the whole creative part of of uh, communication where we inject personalization. Normally that has been done at a segment level and where you could, and I tried even you know, briefing uh, ChatGPT and MidJourney to make me images and text that would uh, be the right one for a particular segment in a particular moment of truth in the customer journey. And that worked fairly well. But I could I could see a future where we where we don't brief uh, the generative AI on a segment or a moment of truth, but we brief the generative AI with with the full customer history of my interaction with brand X. So we have this customer. This is their f- all the data that we have on them. They're the full uh, list of uh, behavioral data and transactions and purchases and. Uh, things they put on their wish list, the pages that they visited and so on and so on. And we we provide that as as one big brief, basically, or one big prompt to the generative AI, which would then have to figure out, okay, how do we how do we make this customer happy and and while uh, hopefully getting them to to make a purchase. And for me at least that is I think that that could be where the one to one future I remember um uh, I remember Don Peppers and, and Martha Rogers writing the uh, the one to one future in, in 1993, and they they saw this one to one future as as Marfa as, as marketing fiction, 
and uh, where I think that maybe this is within reach now. Uh, but I think I, as a retailer, would still be wanting to to supervise the the output from that. So I wouldn't see any weird stuff going on, or weird messages being written, or weird images being being put together. So maybe it's going to be like self-driving cars. I mean, they're almost here, but they're totally not. Yes. Yeah, and ideally, <laughs> we know what that customer wants before they know. So we know yeah. them so well that we can anticipate what they're going to want to buy and look for yeah. and purchase. Or we'll be having to uh, to market it not to them, but to their personal AI assistant, yeah. who will then decide whether or not this is, <laughs> by the AI perceived, as relevant enough to be presented for yeah. uh, for the end customer. Right, let's uh, let's round it off uh, at this. Uh, in the book, of course, you can uh, you can see uh, uh, Tequila Harley Nobel's uh, definition uh, of personalization. Uh, you can also see the uh, the the practitioner's definition uh, that uh, me and Franz and the other authors decided to put together to narrow it down just a bit uh, for for more uh, a practical way of uh, working with this. It may not be as academically correct. Um, but uh, but at least it's uh, something that sets the background or it's the foundation for the uh, for the bow tie of personalization, which is the, the main model of the book. Um, so so one last question, uh, Tequila, I didn't ask you to prepare this. So uh, so what is what is your favorite experience with a brand where you felt they where you really felt you got a personalized treatment? So my favorite one. Again, coming from a communication perspective and probably the way also I'm used to uh, navigating is uh, the way when I'm searching for something new and the way the product is actually presented to me. So I feel like I've actually searched for that product before I then landed on on the specific page. And I think this for me is something um, that's extremely useful. So as a consumer... I purchase a lot online and when they mm. manage to do this and I feel, oh yes, that product is, is for me, I think is is the best um, that I've seen at this point amongst the many personalization, obviously, strategies that can be implemented. Right. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to discuss this with me. A pleasure, uh, as always, uh, to uh, discuss this wonderful topic uh, with you. So um, I think with the... Without any further ado, this is uh, the end of the episode. And uh, remember that you can, uh, uh, dear listeners, uh, viewers, that you can download all the models from the book. We'll be releasing a chapter at a time and discussing it with uh, experts from within the field. You can download the model, you can download an abstract of the book, or you can just stay tuned to the uh, uh, podcast channel and uh, the remaining chapters will pop up uh, one by one, week after week. So thank you for joining. Thank you very much for the invite and for sharing the interesting topic with me. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, we'll cover chapter 4, which is about why personalization works and the psychological aspects behind it.